Well, I, this will probably be a series. I can't imagine that we'll get through this tonight, but um, we'll just get into it and go. Uh, if you'll turn, in, turn to Galatians 2.20, we'll start there. Praise God. We came to hear from the Lord. When we gather together like this, I am relying on the Spirit of God to quicken, number one, beforehand, to get what we need, to get what we're supposed to talk about. You don't just get up and talk about anything. If, if we're truly hooking up with Him, then He has something to minister to this congregation now for this time, and of course for those that will hear the message online. But the people primarily that are receiving are the ones here that are, in, that are influencing the way we can get things out. And of course, like I said, people can hear it secondhand. It will be definitely a blessing to you. But we endeavor to be led by the Spirit of God and then to go after Him how, you know, each step of the way. So these aren't things that we just try to, you know, figure out intellectually. We really want to flow with the Spirit of God. And so we prayed and just be believing with me that we'll get the right things out. Because God, through the Spirit of God, has uh, something to minister to us over today, over the next uh, days, weeks, however long, till we need to move on. But we are endeavoring to flow with Him for what we need. And so right now, the Spirit of God is ministering to us. And He's going to bring us up in some things, and He's going to help our understanding be changed, like we prayed. Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In the New Living Translation, it says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live this, in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. My old self has been crucified with Christ. So, my old self is dead. Your old self is dead. It's not around any longer. We were dead apart from Christ, spiritually dead, and that old man, when we became alive with Christ, that old man is completely gone. The Bible says, excuse me, in 2 Corinthians in 5.17, that old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. We became a new creature, a new creation in Christ. That old person is dead. And that old person, regardless of when you got born again, I was born again at a very early age. And, uh, you know, remember some things before that, but, you know, I didn't have a long history. But regardless uh, of when you got born again, we do not have an old, unregenerate nature, we have the nature of the living God dwelling on the inside of us. We are not just old sinners saved by grace, that we have this nature that, that wants to keep on sinning. We have flesh, but the real us, the real, 
uh, the spirit that lives on the inside of us, the new part of us, uh, that part is created after God himself. So we don't want to identify with the part of us that hasn't been born again. Your, your flesh has not been born again, your, your, your physical body. Your mind has not been born again. We've got to renew it with the word of God. Our, the new part of us, our born again spirit, is the part we need to identify with. And that's how we're going to live successfully is by identifying with uh, the part that's been recreated, the part where Christ is living in your spirit. The Bible says we're one with him. We're going to get to some of that. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Notice that. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. The other uh, New King James said, I live by faith in the Son of God. We're to live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In the uh, Amplified Classic, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared his crucifixion. So he was crucified, but our old, old man was crucified with him. It is no longer I who live, but Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. Just We could stop right there and think about that the rest of the night. We would go home blessed. The Christ, I mean, we, this is, we talked about renewing our mind earlier in the offering. We need to renew our mind to this fact, which is partly why we're on this. But if we just got that, that right there, Christ lives in me. The Messiah, the anointed one, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, through his spirit, he lives in us. And we actually believe it and we act on it. That changes everything. See, so many times we, we think we're reaching out to God and he's out there somewhere. No, he's not out there somewhere. He's in here. And how big of a difference will that make when we're dealing with certain things? Let's move on. We're just getting into this. Christ lives in me. The Messiah lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In the Passion Translation... It says, my old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. God is living in us through Christ. It's not us who's... If we're living according to the word of God, we're not supposed to be living this life on our own. Christ lives in us. The anointed one lives in us, and we have been crucified. Our old man has been crucified, and we, the real us, now lives 
by faith in the Son of God. That means everything we do ought to be by faith, ought to be uh, walked out by faith in God, and not just uh, in our own strength, but by His help and His strength, that He actually, like it says here, uh, our life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God, and He dispenses His life into me, that we are in union with Him which changes everything. He is in us. John 17, verse 20. <clears throat> John 17, verse 20. It says, I do not pray for these alone. So this is Jesus, and He is praying for you and for me. It says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Well, how did you come to believe? You believed somebody's word. Somehow, somebody uh, pronounced the gospel to you, said the gospel to you. That all started back here. There were those that actually witnessed Jesus. So he's saying, I don't pray for these alone, but also for all those who will believe through their word. Well, uh, their word was passed on uh, physically through word of mouth. Their word was passed out, uh, on in the written word. We have the written word. It was passed down. Some people, maybe it you know, uh, became less common in certain areas, but then somebody got a hold of the Bible again. And then they found out what was true. And then they shared it with somebody else. And so it's gone from person to person. And so Jesus is praying for you and he's praying for me. He said that they all may be as one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the word may believe that you sent me. That the world may believe that you sent me. But no, go, to, go, go back a little bit. They, that they also may be one in us. See, you are not just believing in God. You are one with God. God indwells the believer. I said God indwells the believer. What does that mean? Are you all believers here? So then what does that mean? God indwells you. Everybody say, God indwells me. Christ lives in me. Say that again. Christ lives in me. Say, Christ lives in me. Say, Christ lives in me. Say, Christ lives in me. Do we know who we're talking about? The highest power, that there is no name above Jesus' name, He lives in us. Through the Spirit of God, He lives in us, which changes everything. We, we ought not to, we ought not to walk through our life, regardless, you know, what vocation uh, you're in, you have, uh, whatever job you go to, or whatever business that you run, or whatever, we ought not go through our day and be just thinking, oh, I'm getting through, I'm doing this, and you know, God's out to God, help me, God, I, I don't know what's going on with this, and that person, God, I need strength. I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying I need strength, nothing wrong with saying He helps you, but it ought not to be that we're going through this and God's out there somewhere. We need to come up, and we can all come up, regardless of where we are, 
I believe every one of us can come up in understanding that Jesus Christ actually indwells in us through the, the person of the Holy Spirit and that He's with us and that He lives in us and that He desires to empower our life for daily living. Not just when we're in church, not when we're singing, not when we're preaching. Uh, those things, of course, He does. But when we're just walking through life, that He is there. The power of God is in us. The power of God is to help you at your desk. The power of God is to help you with your spousal relationship and with your child you know, relationships with your children and with your extended family and with your co-workers and everybody. The power of God is there to help you with physical issues. That, that the power of God is resident in us always to heal anything that needs to be fixed. Think about it. The power that created the universe is indwelling us. So what's a symptom? What's, you know, a missing organ even? And there's nothing that is uh, more, that, that would be higher or something that the, the Spirit of God cannot take care of in a fraction of a second. There's nothing. There, men may go, well, that's impossible, but God doesn't, he doesn't have the limitations that men have, and he doesn't even, he doesn't think the way men do, and he knows beyond anything, so far beyond what we know. So our, uh, our, our channel to be able to receive from him is to believe what he said and believe and come up an understanding of these things that God is with us, he's in us. Right there, if we would just get a hold of that truth right there, every second of every day is different. It doesn't matter what's going on. See, when things start to push on us and press us and we think something is really a big deal in our life and we're tempted to get distraught or depressed or anxious or whatever, we're not looking to this fact that Christ is in us. That He is... The very power of God lives on the inside of us and that He is actually one with us. Let's go back, before we move on, let's go back to Galatians 2.20 a little bit more and just look at this a little bit closer before we move on. In the New King James Version, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. You say, well, no, I, I mean, I walked in here. I'm the one. I'm alive. Well, we may, of course, we are indwelling our body, but we're not supposed to be living this life, driving it, uh, mapping it, mapping the course, uh, interacting with other people just with us, it's supposed to be the Christ living, infusing our life and working through us. So everything that we bump up against, and we'll talk about some of this, any limitation that we have, any failing that we have come up against, that we've dealt with, we need to understand that it is not just us that's tackling a certain issue or a certain habit 
or a certain failure. It is not supposed to be us trying to, you know, rear back and give it another run at the hill. See if we get over this time. It is supposed to be, it's not us, that, that old person that used to live is gone. The life that we're living, we're supposed to be living by his power. Now, let me ask you a question. Is there any uh, temptation that Jesus can overcome? Is there any temptation that Jesus would succumb to? Is there any temptation that uh, Jesus would look and say, yeah, that's, that's difficult. Is there any problem that he would come up against and go, yeah, there's no way. We'll, we'll have to take no. a rain check. No. Not today. No. Is there any habit that, I mean, Jesus wouldn't have the habits to begin with, but is there anything that he couldn't provide the answer to? So if there are certain things in our lives that have tried to bind us, trying to hinder us, uh, we, we, the thought of, I've tried, I haven't made it, I've, I've, I've tried so many times, I haven't done it, I just don't know if I'm ever going to get over that, that thought is completely wrong. That thought is not taking any of this reality into consideration. That is acting like we are on our own and that we are only uh, dealing with natural human ability, that we're only dealing with our willpower and our strength or our intellect or our genes or whatever, and we are totally discounting that it's supposed to be the Christ living through us and with His power we can overcome anything. He has the answer and He has the strength. The Bible says to, to us, that there's no temptation known to man that, that he did not, that isn't common to man. Jesus overcame. And it said you would not be tempted beyond what you can bear. Do you realize there's a way out every time? Every time we're tempted, there's a way out. Every time. Do you realize we actually never have to sin? Some people say, well, you're, now you're treading on impossible ground. I didn't say you'd never sin again, but do you realize God's will is that we never sin? He is not planning that you fall. It is not a foregone conclusion. When we fall into this, well, we've got to be careful. Because worldly thinking and just the, the religious thinking can get a hold of you. And, and you think, well, it's just, you know, we all just mess up. We may mess up, but don't go in thinking, I have to mess up. I'm going to mess up. I... Just, you know, it's a matter of time before I mess up. Well, I'll give it a try, but I'm probably going to fall. No, we ought to think, I'm never going to do that again. The Bible says, make no provision for the flesh. It means no planning. We don't say, well, I'll try, but I'm probably going to mess up. That is, a, that is a mindset of failure. That's a mindset of, I'm not going to make it. That is not a mindset of the Christ lives in me and I can overcome. Not in our own strength, not saying I am so great, I'm so strong, but saying he'll show me, he'll help me, and we're going to get through it. I'm not planning on failing. And if I do fail, get right back up and say, God, 
Sorry about that. That was a misstep, but I'm going on. I'm getting right back up and going on. The longer we wallow in it, the worse it's going to be, the harder it is to keep going on because you make it such a big deal if you fail that you, you want to sit there for three days because you failed. But you're going to have to get up eventually, so just get up and go on. The less of a deal it is when you fail, the, the more you'll be able to go on. If you think you have to sit there and cry for three days when we miss it, you're going to do everything you can. It makes it a big deal. It's a more temptation to fail, whether we realize it or not. Well, God hasn't said that we had to fail. He didn't say that we had to, and he made a provision for us to go over. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. See, we do live in the flesh. Does everybody understand we live in the flesh? We live in a body. You, you have flesh. You have body. You have temptation in the flesh and in the mind. We have it. Everybody has it. But that's, we shouldn't focus on that. He's, the Bible says it right here. You know, Paul is saying, the, the life I now live in the flesh. Well, he's not going to live any other way on the earth. You're not going to live any other way. You're going to deal with your flesh. I'm going to deal with my flesh. The flesh is not going to stop just because you became born again. And it's not going to just turn around and agree with you on everything, agree with good. It, it will try to push back on you. It wants to do what, you, what it wants to do. Everybody's dealing with it. But we don't have to be uh, dominated by it. We're supposed to live in this body by faith in the Son of God who loved us and who gave himself for us. We're in the flesh. We're walking through it. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be surprised that our flesh wants to do what it wants to do. And if you think, well, if I just got to some spiritual plateau, that would go away, you're wrong. It doesn't work. You're gonna, you, you can dominate your flesh and tell it what to do, but that's different than it just saying, well, you know, it's not gonna, there's going to be no more problem with it. Those are two different things. Some people think it's going to stop giving you problems. I mean, it doesn't have to dominate you. It won't push you around if you tell it what. But to think it's going to stop talking is ignorance. It will talk. We just need to talk back and say, shut up. The more spiritual we are means our spirit's on the throne, not our mind and not our body. So we have the power of God living on the inside of us to bring us over. The Bible says we live together with him. That he, that we, we read in John 17, that he would also be, that they may also be one with us. Colossians 2.14, skip down there a little bit. Colossians 2.11, excuse me. Colossians 2.11 it says, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So we are crucified with Christ, and now he lives in us. And here it's saying we were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. 
And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. See, he has made us alive. So our old man is dead and we've been crucified with Christ. But now our new man and, and as uh, born again individuals, he has made us alive together with the Christ. So our old, old person is dead. Our new person is seated with Christ, is raised with Christ. That means we are living at a higher plane than just natural if we know it. We are not to live in this flesh just as if we're in this flesh. We are to live at this higher level knowing that we are actually supposed to be living with the power of the Christ and living as being raised with Him. Now as we're talking about this, then keep in mind who we're talking about. We're talking about the highest power of the universe that He has made us alive together with Him. It says, you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. It says, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. We should live together with Him. That's so much for, I'm all alone. Nobody cares about me. Where is God? Well, the answer to that question, if we're Christian, is inside of us, right with us, right now. Well, what if I don't feel him? We're walking by our flesh. We should live together with him. 2 Corinthians 5, go ahead and turn over there real quick. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. Uh, hold your place in 2 Corinthians. And go to Ephesians 2, verse 1. Ephesians 2, verse 1. You can just, we'll put it up on the screen. And he, you, but you guys stay in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. See, the course of this world is the, the influence of the devil, is the influence of Satan. The way the world walks is the way of the devil. It says you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, referring to Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we, we uh, whom also we all once conducted ourselves, what? 
in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So we need to understand that someone who has not been saved or born again or uh, received Jesus as their Lord and Savior is walking like this. And before we were born again, we walked like this. We didn't have, I mean, we're supposed to clean up, we're supposed to start walking after God, but we need to renew our mind to what the Word says for us to take advantage of it. But if you don't, if you have not, um, if a person has not trusted Jesus, then they are, they're going to walk just like their father, who is the devil. And they're going to conduct themselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of flesh and mind, and were by nature child, children of wrath, that's saying we were by nature just as the others. So the children that walk in the world are walking like this. This is describing somebody who is dominated by the natural man, dominated by their mind, and walks and easily pushed by the devil. Now, as a child of God, we need to understand that we have Christ in us. But do you understand that we can have Christ in us and be born again and still walk like this? All we have to do is get up in the morning and just yield to the thoughts that we have that are natural, that aren't inspired by God, and just yield to our feelings, what our flesh wants to do. And you'll walk just like the world walks because all that's in the world. Just turn on the TV or, you know, look at the Internet and look at all the junk that... that people are doing and if you do the same thing you can walk and there'll be no discernible difference between a Christian or you and anyone else and walk just like somebody who actually has the devil for a father when you have the Christ in you and the Son of God uh, empowering you to live. Do we realize we can have the Son of God in us and empowering us to live and not live like it at all and not take advantage of that power? Well, we know this in so many areas. You could have any number of things at your house and not use them. Does anybody have anything at your house, in your basement, somewhere? You have not touched something for years and years, but you have it. You couldn't say you didn't have it. It's there. You, might, you could say you had the power to do certain things. Maybe you had some gadget that you got that looked really cool on TV, and you got it, and you used it for a little bit, and you thought that would be really cool if I could do such and such, but now it's stored away in a closet, or it's stored away downstairs, or it's stored away in your uh, garage, and you couldn't say you don't have the power to do such and such, because you bought that thing, and you paid the price, and now you have the ability, but you never use it, because maybe you just are disinterested, don't care, whatever, but you have it, but you're not using it. See, just because you have it doesn't mean you have to use it, doesn't mean, of course, that thing is not going to force itself on you to be used. Well, God's a gentleman and he can live, the power source, the king of the universe can live on the inside of you and you can still yield to your flesh just like somebody that doesn't have God. It is not automatic for our behavior to change just because we're born again. I wish it were. But it's not. Some people go, I cannot believe that person calls himself a Christian. And, you know, if somebody's saying that, number one, they're in pride and they're already doing stuff that's, that's wrong, just judging and, and being in pride. But people say, oh, I can't believe they would you know, act like that and they're a Christian. Well, we ought to act different. But it's not a surprise. If you understand spirit, soul, and body, and understand the flesh, and understand the mind, just because somebody's yielding to their flesh, that's not a big surprise. Every one of us have done it. 
It's easy to yield to your flesh. You can yield, do you realize you can yield to the Spirit of God one moment and the flesh the next? So we want to become more conscious of God's presence and what He has, what He is in us to help us to do so that we can go higher and live in the power of God. Live the life that He intends us to live. And it's not... It's not this, ooh, I'm going to try, I know what I'm supposed to be as a Christian. I know I'm, ah, I shouldn't do that, I shouldn't do that. Oh, if I could just, you know, just, I'm going to try it again. I know I can do better this time, and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to really discipline myself. See, all that's the wrong approach, and that's the way people view Christianity so many times, is I know I'm supposed to be a good person, so let's see if I can really try hard. Oh, I didn't, show, I didn't you know, I, I, I didn't control this, or I didn't, I, I, I yielded to this, and I shouldn't have done that, or ate this, or I said this. Uh, just not there. That's, you'll never get there like that, whatever there is. Because we're trying to do it in our own strength, and we have the power of God, the, the, the Christ lives in us, and He has given us the ability for Him, Himself, to live through us. And when we start letting Him and yielding to Him, we realize that the power's there, that it's not something out there. It's not something to work up self-discipline-wise. There's not Self-discipline is not bad, but you can't trust in it. Because by definition, you're trusting in yourself. Discipline of the flesh is one thing, but you're doing by the power of the Spirit of God and the power of your renewed spirit on the inside of you. That's a totally different thing. You're saying, I, I can't do this in my, in my own strength. Lord, help me, and I understand that it's just my fleshly desire. It's my unrenewed mind. I'm going to overcome it by your power, and I can do it with your strength, and I will change. Not because I'm so great, but because you're living through me. If we would switch gears and to start letting him live through us, we would make so much more progress than trying to just use our moral muscle to get over the hill. He will help us, and that he is in us to help us. Let's finish up this verse. <clears throat> uh, let's read the last part of that. Let's just read from verse 1. Can we go back to verse 1 so we'll get the flow of it? He said, You he made alive who were dead in trespasses of sin, in sin. So we were dead, but he made us alive, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the, the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh. See, they all conducted themselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So this is not surprising. This is the normal mode of operation. If we're not, whether born again or not, if we're not in tune with the Spirit of God, this is the normal flow. You see that? So then, verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. See, we're not just alive, just alive in the power of God. We're actually alive with the Christ. We're alive with Him. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together, together with who? Together with Jesus and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, 
that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He's raised us up together. Now this is the spiritual truth. These are spiritual truths. These are our position in Christ. These are the realities in Christ Jesus. What Jesus accomplished with his death, burial, and resurrection, we're reading now. These are positional truths, but they don't necessarily translate into practical, everyday victory unless we do something with the knowledge of our positional uh, victory in Christ. We ha there ha there's got to be a transition, just like, you, you know, you can have, I don't know tons about, I'm not like a mechanic or anything, but I know enough about this. You can have the biggest engine in a car, but if you don't do something, the transmission is to take the, the power that's in the engine and transmit it to the wheels. If you don't have the car in gear, gear you can rev that engine and it, you know, you can have big mufflers and make all kinds of noise and go nowhere. Right? Why? Because you need something that connects that power and puts it on the road. Gets the rubber on the road and moving the car. Well, if you're a Christian, you have more power than you could ever imagine. We cannot even comprehend the amount of power that's in this room right now. We can't. Because it's infinite. And our mind just can't handle it. But just because that power is available does not mean we're experiencing victory in life, does not mean that we're overcoming habits, does not mean that we are, are not free of every bondage because the power is there, but there's got to be a linkage, an understanding, and a transmission into this realm for it to be realized. We have, that's, see, people will, if you go look at Ephesians, the first three chapters of Ephesians are all about this positional authority and a position in Christ, but the last three chapters are walking it out practically. And if we just focus, we need to understand what's going on positionally, but we need to be able to bring it into this world and overcome and walk it out in truth. Otherwise, it does us no good. Yes, we're saved. Yes, thank God we will walk with God in heaven and for all eternity and we'll learn some things. But I don't know about you, but I want to walk in it now. Things should not dominate us. And they won't, and we, we can get free, and I believe as we're going through these truths, we are going to get free of some things that, that have cornered us, even though we've heard the positional truth, but it hasn't gotten to where it is moving on the road, and something, we've gone in circles on certain things, because we haven't made the connection of how much power we had, and how to put it on the road. And we can get, do you realize, it doesn't matter how much power we know about, if one fraction of that power gets on the road, we could go further than we ever have in talking about the power, revving the engine. That will not do anything. If we just get a little bit of that power, we could go down the road and be miles down the road in a few minutes. 
You realize there are things that we could have dealt with for 15 years, but we get the thing engaged and all of a sudden we're down the road and we've made more progress in two months than we did in 20 years. All it takes is the right hooking up. I have this and here's how it gets through to this life and boom, we're motoring. And things that were holding us back, we just throw them off now. Why? Because we're actually engaging that power. We understand who we are. We understand what Jesus has done. And we understand how to put it to work. Amen.